let's jump into the first part of our series, The Life-Giving Church. And let me just ask you a question, and I want you to think about this personally for a moment. What kind of church do we want to be? What kind of church do we want to be? Now, if I ask that question to uh, many of you, I bet we'd get a hundred different answers, right? We'd get a hundred different answers. And so we're going we're gonna to try to dig into God's word during their series. But, but hey, do we want to, for instance, do we, do we want to be a church with a good kids ministry? Absolutely. Why? Because kids are important. They're not just the next generation. They're the now generation and they're making a difference. Do we want to be a church with a great youth ministry? Absolutely. Right. Do we want to be a church that connects socially and relationally where we can build relationships and enter in community? Absolutely. Man, do we want to be a church that has great uh, worship? Man, thank God for our worship team. Uh, and do we want to be a church with great preaching? Man, I sure hope so. <laughs> that one's on me, right? Hopefully that happens. Yes, we want to be a church with great preaching. But deeper than those things that, that we see on the surface when we come to church on Sunday morning, and, and by and large, when people go to church, they, they're like, they're looking, man, how's the kids' ministry? How's the youth ministry? How's the worship? How's the teaching? Man, is this a place where I'm, I'm connecting? And, and, you know, a lot of times we think about all those things in relationship to our preference and what we like and what we're into. And there's nothing wrong with that sometimes. But we don't want that to be all of it. Because if that was it, it'd be pretty shallow, right? We'd be gauging everything based on what we thought and how we felt and what we like. And so deeper than all those things, which are all good things, by the way, but can be if we let them be self-serving, right? But so deeper than those things, I want to be a life-giving church. And I know from a lot of years, just doing this, that it takes a ton of intentionality, not just by the pastoral staff, not just by the lead volunteers, not just by, you know, whatever position that you're serving in, in the church, but by every single person that walks in the door that calls this church their home by every person that says, I want to be a part of the body of Christ and what God is doing here at Mosaic church. I want to be a life-giving church. And so a question that I kind of think to myself to kind of gauge, man, are we giving life? Is this one. If we were gone tomorrow, think about that. Building was gone. We're gone. If we just disappeared as if we were never here, would anyone notice? Would the community know? Would there be a hole left? Would anybody notice, oh, where'd Mosaic go? Right now, I think there's some people that would notice, but I don't know about you, but I always want our impact in that way for our community to keep growing, to be bigger and bigger for us to be giving with no strings attached for us to be a church that says, hey, we want to give life way more than we take it. We want to be giving more than we're asking. We want to be depositing in people the life that God has deposited in us. So we want to, as a church, bless our community. We want to be a difference maker. We don't just want to have a holy huddle on Sunday mornings, but we want to make a real impact for the kingdom. Now, let me tell you another thing I know from experience. This is a process. It takes a life, not a day, not a week, not a year. It's not a one-time thing. It's a string of days of saying, I want to invest and I'm going to do it again. And I'm going to do it again and again and again over and over for a lifetime. 
Man, I got the privilege of having some good friends of mine from back in Sandwich, Illinois, right? Uh, that's where I moved here from. And, and man, amazing memories uh, just with these two friends of, of painting gyms uh, for public schools and painting cafeterias and, and, and just giving with no strings attached to, to, the, to the local public school system. But, and those were all amazing memories and things that we got to do together. But you know what? It took a lot of time. It took intentionality saying, we want to be life-giving. We're going to build relationships and give back. And it took years to get to the point where we were blessed to be able to bless others in that way. And so let's just get down to brass tacks today. Why are we here? We're here to give glory to God by following Jesus. Plain and simple. Our lives, our families, our church, we want to give God glory. How is that possible? How in the world are we going to do that? The only reason we're able to do that is because Jesus died for us and he rose again on the third day. Amen. Who's happy about that today? Come on. What did Jesus ask us to do? We talked about this last week. We, he asked us to follow him and lead others to do the same. Man, I'm putting this in the most simple language that I possibly can so that there's no room for misunderstanding. We are here to give God glory by following Jesus. We, we can do that because Jesus died for us and he rose again. And then Jesus asked us to follow him and lead others to do the same by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's just that simple, church. And so... Another way that you could say that is that Jesus wants us to be mature followers of Christ. And how are we mature? Man, the, the simple model that Jesus gave us is by giving away what we've been given. That Jesus came to give us life and life to the full. And so we celebrate that and then we give it away. That we are givers, not takers. And so a life-giving church is marked by generosity. Man, and I'm pumped to talk about this today. A life-giving church is a generous church. And so we found life through Jesus Christ. And man, I hope you did during this last series, finding your way back to God. I know some people made that step from death to life and began a relationship with Jesus. And so we found life and now we're giving it away. That's the gospel. And so listen, knowing your Bible is important. It's really important. You should be reading it and digesting it every single day. But guess what? That won't automatically make you mature because you can know a lot and not do a lot at the same time, right? And so the reason so many people get turned off by Christians and Christianity and churches, by the way, is because sometimes as Christians, we know a lot, but we're all talk and we don't give life. The fastest way to get to be mature in your faith, do what the Bible says, read it, digest it, and do it. And so we're going to talk about some ways to do this very practically over the next four weeks. But you know the two areas that this is fleshed out in the most? Your finances and your calendars. Your finances and your calendars. And so we're going to unpack the finances portion today, how we can grow in our generosity, how we can be a mature church when it comes to our generosity. But here's what I know. We give life when we are faithful to God's word in our generosity, our lifestyle, and our mission. We give life when we are faithful to God's word in our generosity, in our lifestyle, and in our mission. And so along the way through this series, we're going we're gonna to get big God ideas sifted all the way down into our daily choices and our daily lives so that we can be a life-giving church. 
Now, some of you might say, Joe, why in the world are we going to talk about finances? You know, that's, that's the most life-draining topic that we could possibly talk about. How many of you, you got, you know, you, maybe you're married, and, and man, if, if your wife is like, hey, I want to talk about the finances, honey, and you're like, Ugh. Like, talk about, you know, just, just draining the life out of the room. You know, no one wants to talk about it. It's way funner just to spend it than to talk about how it got spent. Can I get an amen? Right? But why do we talk about finances today when it comes to being a life-giving church? Because Jesus did a lot. Jesus talked about our finances a lot. And if he got a whiff, if Jesus got a whiff from somebody that money had a hold on their heart and their life, he would challenge it directly. He didn't beat around the bush. He'd just go right at it. And so I'm going to try to be nice about it today. But hey, why are we talking about it? Because Jesus did Listen, there's, there's more than 500 verses in the Bible concerning prayer, and there's nearly 500 verses concerning faith. Those are two big, pretty big things as a Christian, prayer and faith. But there are more than 2,000 verses on the subject of money and possessions. Can you imagine? 2,000. And let me be, be frank. I think it's that way because money gets a hold on our life. Not just your life, my life our life. It's a universal problem. And so you might have noticed if you've been coming to Mosaic for a while that we don't talk about money a lot. You know, we never want you to feel pressured or manipulated or pushed into giving. And so that's not what this is about today. So just know that from the get-go. And at the same time, though, we do want to talk and teach about what Jesus did, right? Now, people uh, usually get all uptight when pastors uh, talk about money. You know, I I can feel the tension in the room. Maybe it's just me. Maybe it's you. I don't know. You know, it's not me. It's you, right? Um, You know, and so who knows who it is? But it just feels that way. It's like, oh, here we go. And why is that? I think the first reason is that because people have seen money mishandled across a variety of spectrums. I've seen that too, right? And so I've, I've heard from some people that come to Mosaic and they're like, oh, my last church talked about was money and it just got really old. Um, And so, yeah, we don't want to do that. Um, But the other reason that people get kind of tense when pastors talk about money is because money has a hold of our heart. Because it maybe has a place in our life that Jesus didn't intend for it to have. And so how about today that we just take the approach that, hey, God, I just want to get to know what you said about it, what Jesus wants us to do with it. And then we'll plant our resources in good soil for the kingdom of God. Can we just start at that premise today together? And so what does God's word say about our finances? If we're going to be a life-giving church, how should we handle this resource that God has given us? So the first thing, if you want to open up your your app, go to the notes or the the half sheet that is on your chair or a chair close to you, uh, you could fill in the blanks. A great way to engage so that you remember what we talk about today. Number one, Jesus said that you can't serve God and money. You can't even like compartmentalize it and do a little bit of both. You're either going to serve God or you're going to serve the other. Black and white. Matthew 6, 24, Jesus speaking. He said, no one can serve two masters for you will hate the one and love the other or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. Wow. 
That preaches for itself. In another passage, Jesus said it like this, talking a little more generally about life. In Matthew 16, 25, he said, if you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you'll save it. Man, our attitude towards money is usually hoard, 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 pile, 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 you know, get, get, get. Get ready for that elusive someday of retirement. And then we just live and then we die. And I don't know about you, but I, I, wanna, I wanna be responsible for retirement. I wanna make sure that, that, that I'm not depending on others to take care of me. And so I'm gonna try to make good choices. But there somewhere is in there is a line in our heart that only you know and only I know of how are we really viewing money and what I'm serving? Am I serving God and his kingdom or am I just trying to pile it up? And Jesus is really clear. We can't serve both purposes. These are two, for me, two of the hardest and most straightforward passages of scripture. And so according to Jesus, we gain joy, we gain purpose, we gain life in ways that are paradoxical and counterintuitive, right? It doesn't make sense. If I want to get life, I got to give it away. If I, if if I want to, you know, save my life, I've got to lose my life. And so in short, we gain what will last only by giving up what won't. Wow. Jesus further illustrated the story uh, by, you know, when a rich young ruler came and asked to follow him. And Jesus told the rich young ruler, hey, sell everything you have, give it all to the poor and come follow me. Now, is this Jesus's word for every single person for all the time? No. But Jesus knew that this young man was serving money. And so he challenged him with this challenge. The rich young ruler was un able to comply. And so he went away sad because he had great wealth. And so the lesson that we learn from these, these, these verses and the examples is that, man, God's given us stuff to enjoy. And we'll look at these, those verses in a minute, but don't let them own you, right? Own your stuff. Don't let your stuff own you. Money is an amazing resource, but it's a terrible master. It's a quiet master. It's a silent master at times. It gets in every nook and cranny of our motivations and our, and our life. And, and if we're not careful, we'll find ourselves serving it. You know, it, it, the, the picture that I get in my mind when I think about not serving God and money is that, that, that prehistoric squirrel on that movie, Ice Age. That's <laughs> just going after that nut. And he's willing to give life and limb just to get his hands on that nut. And so if, if that resonates with, with, man, your view of money in your heart, maybe it's something for you to work on. The second thing that we learn from Jesus is that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Wow. And so if I want my heart close to Jesus, if I want my heart set on eternity, if I want my heart to be in line with the kingdom of God, then that's where I put my treasure, Right? Matthew 6, 19 through 23 says, don't store up for treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Wow. Then listen to this next part. Your eye is like a lamp 
that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, think about these words, your whole body is filled with light. When your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. Why is Jesus saying this? I believe that he follows up the money talk with the, this example of your eye and, and what you're seeing because he's talking about how you see money. He's talking about how you see what your perspective is about it. And if you have the right perspective about money, then it's going to fill your light with life. If you have the wrong perspective about money and finances, then it's going to be this huge weight and this drain on your life that's going to lead you to darkness. So if heaven is where we're headed, we're going to be with Jesus for all of eternity, then I can put my heart there now. But it also means that happiness is found in the opposite direction of this world's pursuits. And so it's a different perspective. It's a different look, way of looking at money because I've got to put my treasure where I, heart, my, where I want my heart to be. In 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 19, Paul says it like this to Timothy. He said, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up their, their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. So how do we experience true life? By being a life-giving church. Man, I, I, I can't unpack it any better than the scripture does. You won't experience this kind of life that Jesus wants you to live until you apply these principles to your life. Plain and simple. By doing this, they, they will be storing up their treasure for a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. Number three. What's the third thing that we learn from Jesus about money? We learn that God's kingdom and his work and his purpose in your life and he wants, what he wants you to engage in on a daily basis is worth it. Now, sometimes when you hear God's kingdom, you're like, man, that's kind of church talk. I don't really know what that means or what that is. But hey, listen, <clears throat> anytime in the New Testament when Jesus said the kingdom of God is like, that gives us a window, that gives us a picture into what God's kingdom is. And what we know is that in God's kingdom, everything is upside down. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. Jesus came to, to, um, to release people from the bondage of sin and into a new life in Christ. And so the central question that we have when we give our life to something, when, when God calls us or when we're asked to do something by God's word, the question that we have deep down in our hearts is, is it worth it? Is it worth it? Right? Man, if God, I'm going to do this for the kingdom. If I'm going to, do, to just give my life to this purpose or this cause, is it worth it? And I would encourage you, whether it's today or this week, as you do your, do your devotions and maybe study over these passages of scripture to answer that question for yourself. Is it worth it? We work, we work hard here at Mosaic to 
give to great organizations that are good soil, good missionaries, good uh, places like Convoy of Hope. And I used to be a missionary, and let me just tell you, not every organization out there is good soil. Not every missionary out there, um, you know, maybe would we support because we want to we want to support people that are really, you know, good soil that are doing it, that are getting after it for the kingdom of God. And so we also work hard to make sure that our accounting here at the church is above reproach and full of oversight and accountability. And so those are those are important questions when we think of is it worth it, right? When we give, and a lot of times those are the first questions that people have before they give. They're like, can I trust this place? Can I trust the ministries that we're giving to? You know, that, that's usually the picture that we have when we ask ourselves, is it worth it? But the biggest question though is, is it worth it what God has asked us to do and why? Jesus says it like this in Matthew 13, 44. He said, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. Think about that. In his excitement, he did he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. Wow. So Jesus is saying that doing what God has called you to do, being generous, not just with your money, that's just one part of this that we're talking about, but the Great Commission, telling your neighbor, serving at your school, serving at your work, giving away the life that you have been giving, speaking words of life and encouragement to your friends, being a blessing to your parents, teenagers, giving life instead of taking it. You're building the kingdom of God. When you serve instead of expect to be served, the question is, is it worth it? All day long. Because when you invest in kingdom causes with your life, it's worth it all. Everything that we have. Acts 20, 24 said it like this. But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. Wow. My life, everything in it, it's worthless. Unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus. The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of our God. Listen, this isn't a verse just for pastors or apostles or people that are out there planting churches or missionaries. Man, this is a verse that, that describes the heart that every single follower of Christ can have. Love that. So the essence of life is giving away the life that we've received. God's kingdom is worth it, church. Listen, if God is first in your life, if seeking his kingdom, right? Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. That's what Jesus said. So if seeking God and his kingdom is the most important thing in your life. If God is first, then everything else will come into order. If God is not first, then nothing will come into order. It might come into order temporarily. You might look like you have it all together in the outside with the right car and the right house and the right all that, and everything just might be dandy, and you've got the job, and you've got the security, and you've got the pension, and everything is just right. But deep down, your marriage, your health, your finances, your family, your job, your career, your ministry, nothing will be right if God's not first. And so the question is, is he worth it? Yes. 
Because when you put him in that right place where he belongs and nothing matters more than him and accomplishing the causes that he is, is blessing around the world, starting here with your local church and spreading out to the, the missions efforts and the things that we want to be involved in, the ways that we want to be a life-giving church, it is worth it all day long, every day. And you say, Joe, how do you know? Why? Why should I believe you? Number four, the proof is in the giving. Now, unfortunately, this is one that to know it, you've got to experience it. To know it, you've got to step into it. And so this is one way in the Bible that God says, hey, you want to prove that I'm real? Give. You want to prove your faith is genuine? Give. I saw a bumper sticker one time that said, tithe if you love Jesus, anyone can honk. Isn't that great? Tithe if you love Jesus, anyone can honk. It's hard, let me tell you. Now I'm thankful that <clears throat> way back when we were young and dumb and, and simply because my parents had said it's the right thing to do, man, I started doing this and it, so it became a habit that just, it never went away because, because I started young. And so it's just what we do as a family. And luckily I married a girl who loved Jesus a lot. And man, she, she's one of the most generous people I've ever met. And so the first thing that we did when we got married was said, hey, we're gonna tithe and make that a priority in our life. But the proof is in the giving. Listen to what Malachi 3.10 says. It says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. <clears throat> man, sometimes people read this and they're like, oh, that's Old Testament. Well, man, there's all kinds of verses in the New Testament that say the exact same thing. That say, when you give, it's gonna get pressed down, shaken together, and it's gonna run over. Now, we're not, just in case you're starting to get a little worried and, and shifty in your seat, we're not a prosperity gospel church. Far from it. Um, if you want proof, just I'll take you out to my car that has 357,000 miles on it. And I'm just praying it's going to run another day. Come on, somebody. Right? And so, no, it's not what it's about. But guess what? Because God's had first place in our finances, me and my wife and my kids, we've never had a lot, but we've never gone without, ever. God is so faithful. Now, there's a difference between tithes and offerings. And so what we're gonna do on November 6th, that's an offering. This is above and beyond. This is out of the overflow of our generosity. And so the first thing that we do when we, when we say, God, I wanna be a life-giving church, I wanna be a life-giving person, is we start with this thing that is so close to our heart, our finances, and we say, God, I'm gonna give back to you the first fruits of what you've given me. And so when I get my paycheck, I take that first 10%, and man, I give it back to God. It's yours, God. And when I do that, I'm saying, God, I'm acknowledging with this gift that everything I have and ever will have, it comes from you. And so to, to, to say, man, I'm putting you first in my finances, man, I'm giving this back to you. Robert Morris says it like this in his book, The Blessed Life, which I would encourage every single one of you to get that and read it. He said, would you rather try to make it through life with 100% of your income, but all of it cursed? Or would you rather try to make it through life with 90% of your income and all of it blessed, redeemed? and protected by God. 
The other part of that, that, that passage in Malachi chapter three, God asked the question, why are you robbing me? And the people said, how would we rob you, God? And then he goes on to say, by not giving the tithe, by not setting aside that 10% and giving it back to God. Wow. The proof is in the giving. Jesus, God said, test me in this and see if I won't throw open the floodgates of blessing in your life. Proverbs eleven twenty five says it like this. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Wow. So when we are a life-giving people, God will refresh us. Jesus said it like this in Matthew 25, 29. To those who use well what they are given, every dollar that we ever will have came from him. You might say, Joe, I earned that. I worked for that. I sweated for that. God gave you the ability to produce wealth. The Bible says that. And so Jesus says, to those who use well what they are given, even more will be given and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Wow. Jesus, like I said earlier, he doesn't mince words. And so if we make a, dis- a difference in our community, if we make a difference in our world, the first step is being known for what we give, not what we take. And so the first step is to get our heart right when it comes to what God has given us, to be generous. But listen, if giving isn't connected to our purpose, then it becomes a lifeless duty. And we talked about the difference between life and duty a couple weeks ago, and and we don't want the religious part. And so don't do it because Pastor Joe told you to. Search the scripture, search the Old and New Testament, do all the research you want. But what you're gonna find is that life just goes better when you put God first in your finances. Paul said it like this in 2 Corinthians 9, 7. He said, you must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or, or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. I love that. And so, hey, don't give in response to pressure. I'm not pressuring you this morning. Jesus wants you to give only if it's cheerful. And so guess what? If you can't be cheerful when you give, don't give. Don't do it. And that doesn't worry me one bit. God has brought us this far. He's always been faithful. He's going to continue to be faithful as a church. 2 Corinthians 9.13, Paul said this. He said, for your generosity to them and all the believers will prove, remember I said the proof is in the giving, will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ Jesus. Wow. So the proof is in the giving, not just that God exists, not just that he's going to bless you, but that your faith in mine is genuine. Love that. Listen, as we close today, your life and mine is not complete without fulfilling the mission that God has given us. And church, God has given us a mission to be a life-giving church. And your finances and your generosity are just the beginning. It's just the beginning. It's just the start. It's just the tip of the iceberg. But when God gets your heart and when God gets your life and everything that you have and you say, God, I surrender it all, you just watch how God starts to work in and through your life. It's the best adventure that you could ever, ever live. Man, the most popular Bible verse of all time, what does it say? For God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his one and only son 
so that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus gave us his son, and then he asks us to turn around and give the same life away. Give it away. So this week, when you leave this place and you go back into your work lives and you go back into your school lives, students, and when you go back into whatever you have to do, man, go with a generous spirit. Say, I want to invest in kingdom causes. And I'm not, and right now I'm not just talking about your finances. That's just the beginning. God, I want to be a, a person who adds value to the kingdom. I want to be a person that adds value to my community. God, the influence and the relationships that I've built and that I'm building and that I'm investing in, God, help them to turn to where I can really be making a difference for the kingdom. Help me, Jesus, to be a life-giving person so that we together as the body of Christ can be a life-giving church. Amen? Amen. Church, I believe that, man, our best days are ahead of us. The best is yet to come. And that as we apply these kind of life-giving principles to our life, man, the sky's the limit as to what God wants to do in and through our church. Amen. Could you bow your heads just for a moment? If you're here today and, and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, and you might say, Joe, are you serious? You're, <laughs> you're, you're asking us if we want to follow Jesus after talking about money? Absolutely. Because that's what Jesus came to do. He came to give us new life. And so if you're here today and, and you say, Joe, man, I want to give my life to Christ. Man, something about what God is, is doing in my heart and in my life. And maybe it was during the worship time. Maybe it was during the message. Man, if God gave that much for me, then my only response can turn around and to give him my life and to serve him. And so if you want to give your heart and life to Christ today, I want to give you opportunity. And so if that's you today and you say, I want to follow Jesus, today's my day. I want to become a new creation in Christ. If that's you, just raise your hand today. I'd love to, to pray with you. That's awesome. Thanks for raising your hand. Anybody else that says, I want to put God first in my life today. I want to begin to follow Jesus. Amen. You could put your hands down. If you want to follow Jesus today, I just want to encourage you. The Bible says, confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus died for you, that he rose from the dead and you will be saved. Amen. You just do that in your heart right now. You ask God to forgive you of your sins and say, Jesus, I want to follow you with my life. Doesn't have to be in any special words. That's what you have to do. And then you accept the free gift of salvation that God is giving you. Man, thank you so much for responding to God's word in your life today. And I'm excited about what God's going to do. If you, if you want some resources to, to help you in your walk with Christ, we've got a gift bag for 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 people that are beginning their journey with Christ in the lobby. And so you could just tell somebody at the Welcome Center, hey, I'd like one of those bags with the Bible in it. And we'd love to get that Bible in your hand and those other resources so you can start well in your relationship with Christ. If you're here today and you say, Joe, man, this message really challenged me. And I want to start in a different way, putting God first in my finances. And maybe for you, tithing just feels like a long shot. And you know what? That's okay. Because we're all on a journey. And, but hey, you say, I want to start to begin viewing my finances as it's all God's instead of mine. And just, you know, okay, I give God some here and there. I want to change that view of my finances to, to, to a kingdom view. A kingdom view instead of just a, it's all mine view. 
If that's you today and you say, hey, Joe, I'm with you in that and I want to go on this journey of being more life-giving in my finances and in my generosity. If that's you today, just pray with me as we close. God, everything we have is yours. And so we give it back to you right now. And we say, God, what do you want us to do with it? And God, as we, as we stay faithful to, to following your word with tithing and, and giving as your, as your Holy Spirit prompts our heart, God, help us to just see the big picture that you're worth it, your kingdom's worth it, that we want to put our treasure where our, we want our heart to be. Thank you for these, these challenging words today. Help us to apply them in our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us online at Mosaic Church. We hope today's message was life-changing and useful. For more info, visit mosaiccincinnati.com.